Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Business Unveiled, expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals, where we take you behind the scenes of our past experiences in the creative industry and share with you what we have learned from them and how they have made us stronger. This podcast will help you grow a productive and profitable business to launch you into success within the creative industry. Hi, y'all. Angela here. And today I'm super excited to be talking with Corrine Heck. Corrine is the founder and CEO of Details Flowers Software. And you guys know my favorite technology and software. So I'm like super geeked out, excited about this podcast. And so <laughs> we're going to be talking about the difference is in the details with Corrine. Corrine, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yay. I am so excited for you to share your journey with our listeners. Before we like jump into the geeky software part of <laughs> you being a floral designer and then getting into the software aspect of it, tell us where your journey started. How did you get into all of this and what's your background? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I grew up in um, Central Florida. My family owns nursery businesses um, in Apopka, and that's the indoor foliage capital of the world. So my family moved from Michigan to Florida when I was four, and we grew up uh, growing and selling plants. So I guess I've always been a bit of an entrepreneur in an entrepreneur's family. Uh, just watching so many plants and so forth, we would go to the farmer's market and sell these as a little girl. So it was kind of my lemonade stand. Um, <laughs> I went to the University of Florida and <laughs> I um, really didn't know what I wanted to get into. So I started doing um, the marketing and the journalism. I rushed, I went through sororities and really got involved there and saw how much flowers were a part of every special occasion. So I set off on the journey to after school, just wanting to work in a flower shop. And instead of being a designer, they sat me behind the computer oh. and I learned how to sell flowers <laughs> and bouquets all over and uh, met my husband. And we soon, um, got married, went through that whole process. And he's a photographer. Oh, and, cool. Yeah. And he does a lot of fashion and so forth. So it wasn't exactly uh, a much of an industry in Tallahassee. So we moved to Miami yeah. and started working for an import company, um, learning how all the flowers are bought and sold through the United States. So I got a really good overview of all the pains that happen on that side of the industry and working as a salesperson to sell boxes of flowers was quite an experience. Um, and before you know it, we moved back to Central Florida. We were having more children and want to be closer to families. So I opened a boutique. And after producing literally thousands of weddings, really found that our processes were very challenged. So I set out to design a software that would help my business. And now we're selling it to florists throughout the United States, um, eight other countries. So that's really quite exciting, wow. but um, helping tons of people with their businesses. And now it's evolved into something even greater than I imagined, but getting 
just lots of reinforcement and encouragement from our florists that are selling these events and really making sure that we're producing the right type of um, tools that really help them in their day-to-day -to, -day to make sure that they're profiting. And it's really exciting to see something, to build something like that. So that's basically in a nutshell, my background from start to finish, but there's so many little yeah. intricacies in between. <laughs> so a couple things, like a couple little off questions from this. When you were growing up, since your family was in the business, did you, like when, when you were little, like a little girl and you're growing up, like did you think about like, I'm always going to do this? Like I'll always be around plants and flowers or were you even thinking about that when you decided like, okay, I'm going to go to college and. To be honest, I didn't know what, I, I really thought I wanted nothing to do with plants. <laughs> like as far as I could get, because you know, when you work out in the greenhouse as a little you know, as a kid, they have you sweeping the floors. So you don't really get to do any of the exciting stuff. And they were moving pallets and pallets of um, terrariums. So my family started a business, uh, Bill Brown's Greenhouses, and sold and started the terrarium trend. So it's funny to see it wow. coming back. But um, yeah, they were six-sided mirror and glass with cactus and rocks and um, succulents and that so forth. But yeah. no, I wanted nothing to do with that. It didn't seem very glamorous. I was wanting something glamorous. <laughs> yeah. I just, I think it's funny how, cause like my family had a venue and, um, it's just funny how we like are brought into the world and we're subjected to be, you know, by default. And then we end up back where like our family started, but it was never forced, you know, not with me. It doesn't sound like it was with you either. Um, you know, it was definitely a choice. And then, um, so you went to uh, Florida, which I went to UT and it was like the Vols and the Gators. <laughs> you, and I have like the worst slash funniest story ever. I went to my first, um, my first, my freshman year, Peyton Manning, who is yes. amazing, you know, he was like good and like UT, the balls were amazing and I, the Gators were too, like way back when. And Danny so Werfel days. Yeah. Yes. And so my very first, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> yeah. So my very first UT, UT and Gator game, like it was at Florida and um, we were getting smashed by you guys and um, mm -hmm. people were getting like really drunk and like I was a freshman and I'm like, I'm not even 21 and like people are drinking and like this guy, a Gator fan, because we were like, I don't know why we were in the student Gator section, peed on us. <gasps> no, yes. he would never. He was probably yes. wearing a seminal t-shirt. He was like... <laughs> And we were like, oh my God, like we looked up and we're like, no way. I mean, the guys above us were so drunk. I mean, now like we laugh about it, but literally, you know how when you're a freshman, like you go, you're like, I don't care what I look like or smell like, like we are going out, even though we lost <laughs> and we went out and it was so much fun. But like me and my, the two girls sitting next to me, like we smelled like piss <laughs> all night long. But anyway, side story. You know um, that. That's, that's one for the books. I'm going to yeah. remember that. Yeah. It's like, I'll never forget. And we, we never missed a game, but anyway. Um, and then I feel like your path of where you are today, something that's really important that I want our listeners to really, really uh, soak in is that you just didn't jump into um, starting a software and starting a business in the creative industry. Like one thing that I think really sets you apart is you opened a boutique, you were an entrepreneur, you opened a business, you, you were on your hands and knees, you know, working mm -hmm. in it, 
really understanding what the needs of other floral designers, what their needs are to run a successful business to be profitable. And so that is huge. Like you can't go to school to like learn all of that stuff. Well, really I searched for books or manuals or something to help me do this job more efficiently. And it was after doing all that research, I recognized that if I couldn't find anything, there was nothing else to help others because interesting. Yeah. So that really opened my eyes to, to a lot of it and realizing that believing in what I had created was was good enough to get started, if that makes yeah. sense. Because a lot of times you think, oh, well, I'm sure other people are doing this better. But when it comes down to it, um, th- there was no one that has gotten as far, I guess, yeah. in the process. Well, and also mm-hmm. too, I don't know if in your experience, if you have seen this, I've seen this and I've still been seeing this where, um, so my uncle started, we're all like that's where we started before venue and all of that. And um, a lot of florists that I see, especially like the smaller mom and pop local smaller um, towns, not even cities, they do it for fun and they are not making any money and they're working so hard and it just breaks my heart because I'm like, why do you feel bad that you're doing your passion and you're doing this to support your family, but you don't really care about the profit margins? <laughs> like, Well, and they're hurting the entire area too, Absolutely. just by like bringing in a lower. So it really is something we're trying to stress is have conversations if you're getting in there and talk to people where your standards should be, because it does make the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. So your very first like wedding experience, I know you've done thousands of weddings and events. Do you remember like your very first experience, like in the whole wedding industry? Um, yes, I do. Um, I did my best friend's wedding. Okay. I was working for a um, import company and I knew that I could bring in all kinds of product and beautiful, beautiful things. Um, so I, I did it and I was eight and a half months pregnant while what? I did it. But um, I had, we had hired another florist who did the centerpieces. I just made her bouquets, but it was my first real challenge to, um, you know, bring it together as far as from a designer or making it beautiful and the concepts. So yeah, that was it. So Um, another, there were many along the way that were really, yeah. Yeah. Another (laughs) impressive thing is you own a business, you've disrupted the industry in an amazing way with software and your mom and you have kids and you've done it while you're pregnant. (laughs) I've done many things while I was pregnant. Oh my gosh. When I, um, yeah, my son, my third one, I had two weddings the day before and I scheduled my delivery because I had a wedding the following Sunday. So I literally <laughs> I gave my baby to my mother-in-law as I was crying and leaving to go make this wedding. So I was very committed to my that's brides. Hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. That's commitment. So when people say, like, I have people tell me, they're like, but you don't have kids and you don't understand. And I'm like, well, I have nieces and nephews. And um, so it can be done. You just have to have the mindset and the commitment, I'm assuming. <laughs> well, it was funny because I was on set and one of my brides who later became a friend, she and I got pregnant at the same time. And a month prior to my due date, I was setting up a wedding and she called me and she was like, I'm in labor. And I was like, oh my gosh, that can't happen to me. Like, th- so I was praying to God every day that I would just, you know, not, nothing was going to happen because, yeah. you know, early in those early years, 
you kind of, it's feast or famine and you take what you can, but when you find out a few months into your pregnancy that you have all these weddings booked, there's not really like you're, you're going into it, whether, whether you like it or not. So yeah, yeah. I lived through that. But, yeah, um, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so now like fast forward, you started and implemented just from learning like, okay, these processes don't exist out there in software. And nowadays I feel like literally weekly we get emails where it's like, Hey, we're a beta company. Can you test blah, 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 blah. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so now it's a dime a dozen. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. there's great software. And then there's, I still don't think that, um, we have found like an end all be all, which people are like, don't you wish there was one software that did everything? I'm like, well, not really, because if you put all your eggs in one basket and there's an update or it's down for a little bit, like if you, if, if, if everything's there, then you can't work on anything. So it's like, yeah, finding, that was mm-hmm. yeah, really like important finding, to us. Yeah, yeah. It's like finding the best software that is going to work for your business. And so what would you say is like special and unique about the software and like what you guys provide now to the the clients? Well, you know, it is hard to like be the end all be all because there's always going to be something that is going to be the next next thing. So it's always important to be on top of trends. Um, we have built a custom software. So if any other applications change, ours, ours won't. So if it's working now, it's, it's always going to be um, in its functionality. And um, to offset like some of those integrations or other tools, we've actually added um, an API and connections with an app called Zapier. So literally you can do anything with details now and one thing can make another part of our application really speak well to another and so forth. So it really comes down to what you want customized in your business. But um, what I'd say as far as an event design application is you can house um, any of your past design recipes, any flowers, linens, chairs, um, chargers, any different type of, um, you know, a piece that you might have picked up somewhere into our software. And you can house all of your recipes based on um, like a category or a venue. So you could search for all the bouquets that you did that include white anemones, and it would show you all the bouquets that you have um, available. And if you drag those individual components in into our contracts, it will populate everything that you need to order so that as your guest count increases, you can quickly just change a number and it will also update everything else you need to order to bring that event together and show you where your profit margin would be um, on those events. So it has some different um, color story abilities as far as like, if you upload a picture of your bridesmaid's dress, you can pick a, a, a certain hue on that gown and it will show you all the complementary um, analogous colors or the different shades and tints that would um, work best. So it makes you as a design expert, a color expert, and really takes the work of about five people into one designer. And the proposals are just stunning. So it helps that closing part of the business really um, every time. So when you sit down with a client, you actually have a plan and you can, um, you know, just go through to make sure that your different policies are all addressed and, you know, substitutions and different things that you'll do in case of a weather circumstance or so forth. So it's all been really well organized um, to put your best foot forward in 
from the beginning stages to the end. That is so awesome. So if you can share with us, like, well, first off, do you have any case studies of like how much time this actually saves somebody like a floral designer? Like we have done a few different (laughs) things like that, actually, because it's important to know and people really don't believe them. You know, when you have someone working on a contract and say it takes them eight hours to do something and you're paying them $25 an hour, if they can do the same thing in details for, you know, 45 to an hour and a half, that's per event. And then think about how many events you do per year. The savings just on a labor standpoint is, you know, anywhere from like 18,000 to like 40,000 in a year. So um, that alone, I think makes it affordable, but it's, it's doing so much more than even just that part of the job. Oh my gosh. Yesterday I was in a meeting where um, a speaker was just talking about time in general Mm -hmm. and how as, and especially in the American culture, we don't like change and getting people to understand that if you invest up front, let's just say eight hours and $2,500 is the example he used and just knock something out by automating it. And it's funny because we were actually talking about Zapier. And um, his wife is in productivity too. I've actually had her on the podcast before. They're awesome. And um, how if you spend the time and block out a whole day to start zapping and automate your things, how much time and money. And they had several case studies that showed showed how their clients had saved so much money, so much time, so much paper, you know, and, and also, um, you know, not taking away jobs from people, but by automating some things, it freed up some of their team members to work on other things that made them happier. (laughs) So it's just incredible. It Um, is. It's really crazy. The power of that. And I, I truly believe that the developers are today are like the rock stars of tomorrow. Like these people are, um, really capable of anything that you dream. And that's why it was once I saw how easily it could be translated from where I had from concepts to this, it's, it's literally like the sky's the limit, but now we just have to hone it back and decide what is the most relevant feature to add that would be most helpful. So that's where our users and case studies are so valuable for us is just kind of see what, seeing what people want. Yeah. Just from feedback from your clients, like what are the top three things where they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this existed. I love this. It's changed my business and my life. Today's podcast is brought to you by Zola. The wedding company that will do anything for love is reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience. Zola combines compassionate customer service with modern tools and technology. Zola takes the stress out of wedding planning with free wedding websites, your dream wedding registry, affordable save the dates and invitations, and easy to use planning tools. Zola is the easiest way to conveniently manage 
everything online in one place. It saves so much time. You can get started just by simply setting up a free website. There's over 100 beautiful designs to choose from, and we actually use Zola for our own clients' weddings that we plan. It is so easy to use and personalize. My favorite thing about the website is putting the Zola registry on the actual website. It makes it so easy for your guests. The Zola store has the widest selection of gifts at all different price points. There's free shipping and returns, price matching, and so much more. You can choose from over 500 top brands, from Sonos to Airbnb. You can create a fund for your honeymoon, your future home, plus register for gift cards like for Delta, Southwest, Hulu, Home Depot, just to name a few. To start your free wedding website today and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash Angela Profit. So that is Z-O-L-A dot com slash Angela Profit, P-R-O-F-F-I-T-T. Well, you know, in events, there's literally thousands of pieces that you might need yeah. to order for a week's worth of events. Um, and all of these flowers are sourced from so many places throughout the world that no one, even the most brilliant mind, can't keep all those buckets um, moving in a right right combination. So just being able to overview and to see like what you're going to need to order. And if um, what we're doing now is connecting that information with the growers so that they can actually anticipate what our users are going to need. So um, there's just so much complexity in the business that it's um, interesting how technology just weaves that all together. And that's really exciting. Like that's the exciting part. And then our, so I know that you said like the proposals look amazing. Mm -hmm. And so that takes a creative component out where people have to, I remember when the iPads first came out and I made mood boards where I would like go to Google images and like, this is pre Pinterest people and like make little mood boards on my iPad. And pre that I would like cut magazines out and make a poster like Girl Scouts, like literally when I started, because that's all that was available. And Mm -hmm. so things have come in, they have just come so far, but also like the payment option. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming like, does that integrate if somebody uses QuickBooks, does that integrate with that? Or do you all have your own like payment system built into that? Or is that a zap to Yeah. So we offer a payment solution right now through Stripe and um, it will, you can send or receive invoices through that. And if you are a Zapier client, you can connect with nearly any accounting software. So we've set it in such a way so that you can integrate it with multiple, but most people are using QuickBooks here, at least in the United States. So yeah. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. which uh, by the way, like to share with our listeners, not only is your software available in the United States where I know you mentioned, I think it's in eight other countries you said. So crazy. Countries it's, it's are yeah. Um, so we have several florists that are in Australia, which it's really fun to talk with them because they're literally on the other side of the planet. So we all <laughs> have to stay up super late or wake up really early. Um, the United Kingdom is really big with us right now. Um, Ireland, Italy, um, several countries in South Africa, um, Zimbabwe, um, let me see. And then, then we have a few Asian companies that are testing right now. So they're more in beta, but uh, it's, 
it's, it really hasn't stepped out beyond the United States and we haven't done any marketing um, in those parts of the, the country so, or in the world. So it's exciting when they find out about us just through the power of the internet. And I think this podcast is great because of like the geofencing. I'm sure there's people that are wanting to know about the wedding industry. So for people who don't, um, I'm fascinated <laughs> by geofencing and like all these uh, tools that we have for advertising on the internet. So for people who don't know what geofencing is, can you share your version of it? Oh, well, I'm, I have just attended a very first um, a pod, PodFest introduction. And from what I understand is in certain countries, they don't have um, ability to um, get on the internet necessarily, but if they have certain devices, they can download podcasts. So podcasts, um, if they're in these areas, are the only thing that is not restricted by by their their governments. Is that is that correct? Or yeah, um, yeah. So a lot of um, like in in the U.S., for example, like I um, I was teaching a class at Apple and the Apple store is in the mall. And so um, the Microsoft store is right above the Apple store in the mall, interesting hmm. enough. And so, um, and I'm not saying that the Apple store does this, but um, they could geofence the Microsoft store. So when people walk into the Microsoft store, if they're looking at their phones, ads for Apple can pop up depending on like if you're in Safari or Google Chrome or what you ha how you have your settings on your phone. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, so geofencing. The other thing is like we've helped do some marketing strategy for companies where, for instance, um, blowout bars are huge now. It's a, it's a huge, I love them. They're time savers mm -hmm. um, where you can go in, get your hair blown out and get a bunch done, you know, in an hour instead of washing your own hair. Or if you have <laughs> a special occasion, I mean, it's huge for wedding party. And so um, we've had people that own blowout companies and they have products. And so they want to geofence like a Sally's or, you know, a product place for wholesalers, for like makeup stylists and hairstylists that are going into buy supplies because they want their product seen to know that it's sold in that store. So it's very interesting. <laughs> like, no, that is more than I thought too. But yeah, it's it amazing. makes you wonder how it's you're amazing. getting thrown. Yeah. yeah. It's just the, if you have your, but you, I mean, obviously you have to have your location services turned on, on your phone. And um, most people that get a smartphone, they're not like super savvy in setting up the settings unless they're like trying to hide something on purpose, mm -hmm. I guess. And um, yeah, so it's really, really interesting, like the power of, like you said, the internet um, and how people learn about things. And then depending on where they are, if their location services is on and then they can listen, you know, to podcast in certain areas because mm -hmm. it's yeah. not controlled by well, the government. <laughs> well, and, you know, and that's something that we're, we're not faced with, but I can imagine, you know, your need for education or just knowing more if you're limited. So it's, it's really interesting to me that this is an, a nice avenue for, for people throughout the world and 
that's the power of tech. So, yeah. So going back to when you first, like you had this aha moment of, okay, we're going to, we're going to do the software. Like there's nothing out there. Take us back to like that day. And what has been your experience of like building this company and building a software? Because I don't think people really understand how intense it is in, in making sure that everything is going to work correctly. Yeah, you will, you know, I, um, I really got started with, uh, I'm really good at Microsoft Excel, so I can make a spreadsheet like it's nobody's business, but it was really hard to teach anybody on my team. And it was really difficult to add more imagery to this and it, it to speak across every event that we ever did. So I really kind of stretched that as far as I could get it. And I knew that it was going to take a database um, infrastructure so that all these areas were talking to each other at the same time. Um, I sat with like multiple people and all over Orlando and got crazy bids on what it was going to cost to like bring this imaginary software to life. And I just was overwhelmed with um, the amount of funds that it would require. So I just kept um, reaching out to different people I saw doing things right or um, would reach out to different mentors and read lots of books. And one of them was like, you know, really proclaim what what you are or what you want or what you're going to do. And when you introduce yourself to someone, don't say, you know, say what you're going to be or doing. So I started just introducing myself as a software developer um, for the floral industry. And it was, it was kind of crazy, but one of the first people that I met um, was a man named Dr. Andrews and he was an international business professor at Stetson University. And um, I was doing a wedding and I was sitting there as a guest and um, uh, he asked me what I did for a living. And I told him that I did all the flowers at this event and the bride had kindly asked me, but that's not really what I was doing. And he's like, well, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to make the software. And so, um, he was really intrigued and I told him all my challenges and, you know, getting the money together. And so he really introduced me to the Florida Venture Forum, which is a place where um, entrepreneurs go to meet different venture capitalists in the state. And I had not realized anything like this existed. And I was just enamored with these people are actually coming to find the next big idea. So I watched, you know, the 20 or so companies that pitched those events and I really you know, saw that I could, I could get up there and ask. And um, it was a really um, hard journey those first few years. I joined the UCF business incubator. Um, I raised a little bit of money, um, but didn't give away, you know, got a great valuation for the money that I did receive and um, have been bootstrapping it ever since. So I, I won a, a, a venture competition and $25,000. Wow. Um, yeah, which was just so lovely. Like the Rollins um, College hand, holds an annual business competition. And, you know, some of the VCs were not always kind to me in your first few pitches and when you get up there and what you're going to do. And they just didn't believe that we were going to do it. And um, they really didn't think the floral industry was something to invest in. And it really came down to like fighting for what I saw was needed in the industry. And from the 
from the importing side to the floor side, there really is no communication. So they grow all this product, but don't really grow it for the people that are selling it during those, those meetings and those weddings, you know? So um, it, that was a huge, huge challenge, but just so much fun looking back on it because I really didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. And, you know, selling like a dream or an idea, then I think you inspire other people and they want to say, okay, well, here you go go show us. So it's just every little bit of the step. I feel like someone's thrown me a little like, you know, acorn and said, okay, here you go. What are you going to do? And so we've had to be really wise with how we spend our money. And, um, you know, the goal is to never run out of money. And that's what we, we teach our florists. Now, if you're giving it all away, you're not going to have a business. So you really need to be smart and make sure that you're well calculated. And I think a lot of artists don't go into it with that frame of mind. And I think that was the same for me as an entrepreneur. Like I really didn't know what I was getting into, but then, you know, different people step in and say, I think you need to go in this business incubator and take these classes and meet more people. And then they teach you something that allows you the confidence to move on to the next step. And um, when I was introduced to the, the gentleman that is now my, um, developer and CTO, it was just like, he was at the right place to take on something like this. And now it's really, I think, exciting for him to be in charge of a product where in most startups, they, they, they fail after the first few years. So I think a lot of really talented programmers get in the wrong project and then they have to start over again. So for, which is kind of an interesting mindset for the programming world too, is like not every idea is a success. So um, when you get one, you need to hang on and make it really good. <laughs> yeah. But a couple key things that you said that I want to point out is that, you know, if you have an idea, you've got to put yourself out there and you've got to surround yourself with the right people. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to find the right people. And you, you can't be scared to ask for things and, ask for help and there is money out there and there are investors and venture capital capitalists. Like, I mean, do you have any, if, if there's someone that's listening that, you know, has this idea, like what takeaways would you tell them? I mean, other than like, don't give up, you know, if you read about Starbucks and some of these other companies where it's like, you know, they were told 30 times no from banks um, you know, how to keep going, what would your advice be to them? Well, I just, I think that the money won't always make the difference. The idea has to be ready. You could raise all this money, but if you don't have a plan or go-to-market strategy, you know, it's, it's not going to take flight. So you need to be able to do it with or without the money. And I think having um, that plan in place, if both scenarios happen, but I would say if it, I could not stop thinking about my idea from the moment I came up with the concept of what I was going to do was 10 years ago. And I could not, every night I went to bed, it's all I would think about doing. So I feel like every time I was about to give up, something good would happen. And then it was like, okay, I'm just going to keep on going. Like, this is just what it is. But I think I'm the type of person, like, I would have been disappointed had I not saw it through. So I think that that just depends on who you are. Like, can you walk away from something that might be ultimately like, yes, the biggest challenge, but also, um, 
you know, now we employ 10 people. So it's really, I, I feel like we're doing it for all of them now too. And they, they are seeing something good and it's, I don't know, you just have to not give up and keep going for it because if it's ultimately your dream, then why would you stop? Right. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you, like, how did you manage your time like with kids and I mean, being married and then in, in startup mode, like did your husband eventually become part of that business or help with the photography part of things? And did, do you all work together as a team? Well, early on, we had a wedding boutique in Daytona Beach mm-hmm. and we were um, right down by all the resorts and he moved from the fashion side into wedding photography, which wasn't ultimately his dreams. But <laughs> when a bride would come in and sit with me and see all these gorgeous fashion pictures on the wall, they would like, well, does he do weddings? And um, after a while he did. And it was something that we really were able to um, build our family around, but we never had weekends off. So, you know, vacations were very few and far between and any extra bit of money went into like build the software. Um, so we've weaned ourselves away from that business and kind of took ourselves out of the area. So, um, now we're just solely focused on the software, but it was, you know, um, we started the software in 2015 and we did weddings until, um, 2017. So we were still taking jobs while one business kind of paid for the other, if that makes sense. So I probably would never give anybody the advice just to go all in and not have a security blanket, but you have to decide what is more important and where is your energy. So it was just as soon as I could devote a hundred percent, that business kind of fell away. Yeah. So, so a huge key takeaway from this is, um, in fact, like I've been doing the same, um, scenario probably for about five years now where half of my time is spent consulting and speaking and, um, venue consulting and resort consulting and traveling, and then still doing weddings and events because it is a part of our revenue while one's paying for the other. Um, but when you were, actually able to focus on just the software company and you finish that last wedding, like what changed like in terms of focus and in terms of increase in percentage of getting the software out there because you had a hundred percent focus on one company? Like, did you see a significant change in that? Um, change in like myself overall or in just everything like profit, focus, things moved quicker, things happened quicker, you were able to focus and market? Well, a a lot of, um, gosh, I have a great team. So I've had the same group of people that have been with me, I would say for the last 10 years. Um, My main design assistant, Samantha, kind of moved over into the sales role now here at Details, and she heads that department up, but she was like my main... um, hand as far as that goes. So I feel like there was a shift on the entire, like everybody's life to like really embrace this, but it was just where it came to be where, um, it was more stressful to be, or more time was spent engaging with one bride that was taking hours of my attention where we could be contacting, you know, 15, 20 florists in that same consultation time. So I do understand the challenges with doing high-end 
boutique luxury weddings, like these clients absorb a lot of your time unless you set boundaries on them. And it was just my um, increased demand on time. And the other one was just, I couldn't devote it to one person anymore. And do you realize how valuable your time is? Um, so I, I guess the shift was just that more people were starting to hear about details at that point. And it, it turned more from like a cold calling type of business. Hey, hear about us to people were calling and we needed to keep addressing their calls. So that time was definitely a big switch. Yeah. So from a customer service perspective in details, like share with us, like, the good, the bad, the ugly, like how has the customer service and the feedback helped you grow your product? I, you know, I, I love good customer service. I love getting it and I, I know when I'm not receiving it. So it's definitely something that's top of line for us. Um, I think most, the majority of our customers are, just so respectful of what we're doing and trying to produce for them and really get the overall big picture. Um, and those people are great. Um, but then there's some that really um, feel like we owe them more than anything. And I, I don't know how to explain that, but they're almost angry or something like, and it's, you realize it's just part of their personality and who they are, how they're outlooking to the world. So you really have to have a tough skin um, as far as dealing with the public, because you, you definitely get all kinds. Yeah. Um, it, but it really makes it interesting. And you realize how and why you have to have policies and procedures in place because you'll be thrown with so many different experiences. So then it's just a matter of making sure your entire team knows all your policies and, and being really clear with your customers, I think at the beginning. Um, so we still only have office hours Monday through Friday, nine to five Eastern time. Um, we may change that, but we let people know that often. So if they call on a Saturday at three o'clock, they know um, the support avenues either to go through or, that we're just not available. We're humans and we need time off too. So I, I, I really treasure my, my time, but, um, and most customers get that. I just, do you know what I'm talking about? You know, those yeah. mothers of the brides who are just, <laughs> are just ugly. You just didn't really see it coming until you're already too far involved. And, you know, I feel that way with some, some of our florists too, because they have very, um, I guess their expectations level sometimes are even more than any any one company could take on and yeah. don't necessarily realize that they are really getting a great value, but it's always like, sometimes they're just always like from a disappointed standpoint and it's like, be happy, be great. Yeah. Well, look what you didn't have four years ago and what we're doing. So um, I think it's just a way to express that or figure out ways to tell people, yes, we're, we're, we're moving as fast as we can, but um, yeah. Have yeah. you ever had to fire a client from using the software? Um, no, I don't, I'll have to ask my team that there are certain <laughs> people that are definitely, um, a little more challenged and yeah. it's not really our fault. Sometimes it's sometimes it's you. It's not, it's not us. No, we promise, but we try to hear everybody and, teach them, you know, the best practices. So, um, but yeah, not often. I, yeah. I mean, 
it's like most of the people that run these businesses are are like just like me. Like yeah. they're they're of the same mindsets. So they get a lot of it. And then if they're not and if they would be healthier elsewhere, you know, I, I don't know that anybody else has made what we have done so yeah. beautifully and easy and um, you know, take it or leave it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um that's what my mom's dinner menu always was. It was like, <laughs> get rid of it. But but we um we want you to take it and we want you guys to like look at it and be familiar with it and ask questions, but everyone can be nice. So, yeah. So how do you get the software out there? Like, would you say the best return on investment is going to like trade shows or um, Facebook ads or internet marketing or Google ads? Like what feedback if someone has a product and they want to market it, in your experience of probably trying different things to get the software out there, what has been the best use of time to market the product? You know, I would have to say um, personal connections and just um, really early on, I would say going to conferences and trade shows was very valuable to me because it just put a face with a name and really let people know that if they saw an email from us, it wasn't spam. Like we were really doing great things. Um, I think that's been hugely important. We've just started doing um, some marketing and some Google ads and um, those different Pinterest has been really big for us. And, you know, it's, it's fairly uh, free. It's just the time investment on, on doing those different things. Um, But I would say, you know, um, attending other people's events or their workshops and getting in and meeting with our customers to really understand them has been hugely beneficial. And it really is, it's nice to see people in their creative element too. So just, you know, it does take a bit. Traveling is, is a, is a full-time job, you know, going someplace is, is really tough, but um, it's nice to explore different parts of the world because you see and hear so much. So that has been really valuable for us. That's awesome. So again, like just the key takeaways, if someone wanted to use your software, your niche is specifically floral design. You know, we um, are specific to floral design because we have such a huge library of floral elements and when they're available throughout the, um, the year, and the mm-hmm. different places, but um, a lot of different wedding planners or even um, sound AV people have used our software because they can manage all of their um, their products too or create different packages. So it really makes it easy from an inventory standpoint to know what you'll need for a certain event. And um, it will cross-reference those other events too. That's awesome. So know. it's not just floral. No, it's not. It's not. Um, but it, that is such a huge component of it because there's nothing that um, that does reference all those things where you can actually design with them. Yeah, it's it's so cool. So how long did you got? How long did it take? I know you said you launched in 2015. How long did it take to build it? And then did you have a beta test group that tested it and gave you feedback before you actually launched it to the public? Um, well, we actually, um, 
started with, uh, lo and behold, out of Orlando was our first florist customer. Um, and then there were a few other Orlando-based florists that jumped on after that, uh, Raining Roses um, is one. But we just started, um, they were pretty much our betas. We actually still have a beta group that we uh, regularly you know, we usually try to launch something every couple weeks um, and our betas really move through it first and really love seeing new things or will tell us if something is, is off or doesn't seem to be looking right. But um, yeah, that's a huge part of our moving it through, um, you know, the development server to our production, to our regular users is, is very important because now it's, you know, nothing can be flawed, like no one wants to be using it and they're there can't be something that's off. So um, we rely on those testers heavily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything big that is coming out soon that is going to be new for the software? Oh, so much. <laughs> um, yeah, we're actually launching a growers collection. So if there's any growers listening that supply flowers, um, you can have your own um, collection of products that our users can then source and build their designs from. So it will be Alexandra Farms is one of our first growers and they do the most beautiful David Austin garden roses. But basically their entire product lines, the seasonality will all be available for our users. So um, to start building out their weddings and their portfolios. And of course they're going to love this because they'll know what products are the most popular trending so we'll really be able to track back some of those analytics to the farms um, to let them know how their product is received in the market so we're really excited about that that is huge like I feel like most creatives at least the ones that I work with they don't really understand the power of analytics mm -hmm. <laughs> and how it can change everything well if you're really you know this farm to table is really really big and you know um Peonies in North Carolina are really huge right now. So we would love to share those locally grown sources and, you know, you'll be able to search within a 50 mile radius of here, who's the best peony grower. And then you'll be able to actually send orders to those people um, if their products are available online. So it really is opening up a whole, um, you know, a wider view of what you can get or how fast you can get something, especially if you're in a jam or what varieties, what the names are called. You know, a lot of people guess at a name and then when they, the wrong product comes in, they're upset. But if they had known from the source what it's called, they would have asked for the right thing. So we think this is going to alleviate a lot of problems, but also just be a huge, um, you know, like farm report, like right I've been to Congress to lobby for the SAF and wow. there's just a lot of information that we don't know that all ties back to just grower reports and crop reports and so forth. So this will be helpful. Yeah. I was just at a conference in Hong Kong and they were talking about how um, important it is with technology with drones coming out and how it's going <laughs> to help the crops and flowers and food like grow differently and how this artificial intelligence attached to a drone can really spot out like if there's mold or if there's like an illness in a plant or something and just target that one leaf so that it doesn't completely ruin the entire crop of you know food or flowers it's just incredible <laughs> like all these things that 
you just don't sit around and think about. It's just incredible. So I was awesome. at a seminar with um, SCAD and they had created a drone that was a, a bee. So oh. if our bee pollen, like has have trouble pollinating the flowers, they'll actually be able to send drones out that will pollinate the flowers. Now, can you imagine that? That's so cool. I just, it's so cool. I just, I love technology. <laughs> we are running out of time. I could talk, I could talk to you forever. Um, but where can our listeners find out more? So if they're interested in the product or this new um, initiative that you're launching, where can they learn more? Well, of course you can visit our website, detailsflowers.com. Um, We'd love for people to follow us on Instagram or our Pinterest. We're adding more of our articles and everything on there too. But basically on our website, if they want to um, email to hello at detailsflowers.com, we'll be sure to answer any questions they might have. That's awesome. And I believe that you have a special offer for our listeners who are listening to this podcast. Yes. And um, if they'd like to get 25% off their first month or their first year, which is a huge savings, um, they can use the promo code PROFIT with two T's. Two um, F's, two T's. <laughs> two F's, two T's. Yes. Yes. And um, that'll be good until May 31st of this year. So if anybody is interested, please. Yay! Of 2019, because I'm not sure when you're listening to this podcast. So the offer is oh. May 31st, 2019. And if, be sure to go and check out detailsflowers.com and their handle on Instagram and Pinterest. And I believe Facebook is also Details Flowers, right? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for being on. Thank you for having us. This is a lot of fun. And um, I look forward to hearing more um, podcasts in the future. Thank awesome. you, Angela. <laughs> You're welcome. And thank you to all of you for listening to Business Unveiled today. And be sure to tune in next week so you do not miss the juicy details where we are sharing behind the scenes to help you grow your business. Have a great day. Bye. Today's podcast is brought to you by Collective 615, a luxury co-working community and space designed by women for women who desire to connect, collaborate, grow professionally and personally. The community is for women who desire a work environment that inspires and motivates them to elevate both professionally and personally. Collective 615 goal is to have a community of businesswomen who are at different places in their entrepreneurial journey. They offer a range of memberships to make it obtainable to invest in yourself and your brand. All programs are developed by creating diverse courses, speakers, and events that provide professional and personal development. If you're looking to collaborate, connect, and create with like-minded people, the women of Collective 615 believe in investing in you and your brand. If you're starting a business, growing your current one, or you're working from home or remotely and you need a place to work or to host workshops and events, visit collective615.com today. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I'm so very grateful if you leave a review. 
Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. Also, be sure that you are part of my email list. And if you're not, sign up today at AngelaProfit.com, where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Now, before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the creative industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Business Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.